It is wonderful to be here. Thank you for letting me be here. Um, Faculty, staff, student body, it's good to be home. That's what Crown is. It's like being home. I hope you get a sense of that while we're here together. We're going to have some fun uh, talking about a lot of different things. Uh, Like I said, I I was a student here at Crown and uh, graduated from Crown. Just a beautiful time. I met my wife here, and uh, so here's the story. I'm just going to tell you guys a couple of stories as we get ready. Are are you good with that? Can we do a couple stories? All right. So so we're playing volleyball. This is like freshman, you know, introduction kind of thing. We're playing volleyball. I'm out there uh, just killing it, right, just killing it. And not really, but in my mind I was. And the ball goes off the court. I go out to get the ball, and I get stung by a bee on my toe. And my toe swells as big as my face immediately. And I thought, gosh, I am an idiot, just an idiot. I look stupid. Uh, That was the day that Cindy says, I remembered you. (laughs) I remembered you. that's, That's fantastic. Why do I tell you that? I tell you that because sometimes bad situations happen and they turn out pretty good. Another time, we had a spring break. We went down to Corpus Christi, me and a couple of friends, had a great time. We timed things perfectly so that we would drive 24 hours back to Crown straight. And uh, that's what we did. We showed up and we were exhausted, tired, beyond belief. It was in those days we were in the chapel, uh, sat in pews. It was wonderful. I'm sitting next to my friend. Oh, by the way, this is an important piece. We couldn't skip chapel because we, we could only have 15 misses and we were maxed. Right, so we, And I didn't know what would happen if we missed chapel again. Like, do they pull off fingernails or toenails? I didn't know. Uh, I wasn't sure. So we, we better not try it. So, so here we are in chapel, and my buddy, he's starting to lose it. He's, he's doing the head bob thing. The guy next to you might be doing the head bob thing, you know? Puts his hand like this, and he's starting to slip. My friend hits me, and he goes, Kenny, watch this. My buddy does Bam! Hits his head on the pew in front of him. Says, oh snap. Well, that's the PG version. And five rows in front, five rows in back. They're just laughing their heads off, you know. The, the, the teacher that day, he thinks there's a revival going on. Uh, <laughs> he was embarrassed, eventually got in trouble for it. But the point is, sometimes really good things happen that don't always turn out great. And uh, we get marked from it. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 1 today. And we're going to talk about just life sometimes doesn't go the way we want it to go. Things don't happen the way that we want them to happen. And how do we address life in those places? And I would say that scripture is built off of this passage, Genesis chapter 1, right from the very beginning. We see a direction that God wants us to go. And if you would be, if if you could just receive it even today, I think God might have a message for it. So I'm going to ask you, would you receive, if God has something for you, would you receive it? Not a rhetorical question. That was a terrible round of apathy. Uh, Let's try that again. If God has something for you, would you receive it? All right, all right. We're in Genesis chapter 1. For those of you who have your Bibles, you're awesome. For those of you who don't, uh, look off the person next to you. Here we go. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void and darkness covered the face of the deep. 
and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God divided, and God saw that the light was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, so the evening and the morning were the first day. Just look at God through this. Sometimes we miss this piece that history is really his story, not our story. It's not about us, it's about him. And so this, this is really about God and who he is. And from the very beginning, what do we see about God? He creates. He is a creative God. The first thing that's mentioned about God is not that God is love, though he is that. It's not even that God is holy, though he is that. The first thing that we learn about God is that God is creative. And we're going to see why that is such a big deal in just a moment. In the next few verses, we see that his spirit hovers over the waters. Now, we usually describe things in relationship to itself in the West, but in the ancient world, they didn't do that. They described things in terms of function. So the fact that God is hovering over this formless, avoid darkness in this place of the deep, in the waters... The fact that he's hovering above it means just that, that God is above it. That God has this ability to see it and to address it, and that's what he does. He says, vihi or. Vihi or. God created. He said, in, in English it says, let there be light, but I love the way that it comes out in Hebrew. It, it, more like this. God states, exist light, and light exists. It's a little bit more of a demand. So this hovering God who is over all things, he sees that there is an issue and he answers it with light. And he calls it good. And then he separates light and darkness. And we're going to talk about what that means in our world, what that means in our life, and how that translates to where we are. Look again in verse 2, if you would. The earth was formless and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. The word formless is a, is a unique word in Deuteronomy 32. It's translated as desert. It's a concept that sometimes is referred to as chaos. More specifically, in the Hebrew mind, it means without purpose or function. Can you see that in a desert? How a desert is this mass of land that has no real function. You can't grow things in it can't do much or you can't farm it. It's not sustainable. It's not really life-giving. That's what a desert is. It's a place of chaos. It's formless. That's the idea, the concept. And so let me extend that. There is a principle here that I think translates to us today. And that's this. We sometimes live in a chaotic world. Sometimes we walk in places of formlessness. This word is also translated a few times in the, New T- or in the Old Testament, this, vanity. Isn't that weird? Desert and vanity, what's the connection? Desert and vanity, what's the connection? It's kind of like this. Just as this land has no function, it's a desert, life can't grow there. Someone who is vain, life doesn't grow there. It's, it's not forming its real function. It thinks that the highest... Uh, the highest thing to celebrate, the highest person to celebrate is themselves. They're vain. On the one side, it's arrogance. On the other side, it's a false sense of pride. Everything is about me. I'm the worst. I'm a... They're vain. 
You struggle with that ever? Forgetting the purpose that we were created with, the point that God met us with, the life that he has given us. Do you ever, do you ever feel like you're in that place? Formlessness, life that's a desert, a place of chaos that maybe is also identified as vanity. God has an answer and the answer is let there be light. Let there be light. Now, I'm, I want to be careful because what I'm not trying to communicate here is that somehow Jesus was created. That's not what I'm saying. But by extension, there is a principle. In the New Testament, Jesus says he is light. He's the light of the world. It's this concept of light that meets us where we are. It's, it's funny how sin grows in the dark places, in this formless void, sin grows where death expands itself. And if we're not careful, we can, we can be corrupted by that. We can be stuck in that place, that desert place. God doesn't have that for us. That's not his intention. And so he says, let there be light. And it's in that place, that desert place, that the gospel applies. And let me just be clear what the gospel is. I know that you get it all the time given to you, but I, I want to share it, the gospel It's this, we're sinners and need a savior. That God came in the flesh, that God died on the cross for our sins. He conquered sin and death. He rose from the grave and he gives life to anybody who would call on his name. And he's coming again. That's the gospel, 1 Corinthians says. And for those of us who receive Jesus as our savior, that gospel applies. And it's not just this one-time prayer that we say at church camp or at home or at church. It's not just this one-time prayer. This gospel applies all the time. Formlessness, this desert place, the gospel applies. What does Jesus want to do in your life right now to give you life in that place? It's a question. What does Jesus want to do in your life right now to give you life? How does he want to flood that desert with his living water so that you can receive life? What might that look like? Let me give you some suggestions. Just a couple of suggestions if you're finding yourself in that desert place. One, find a prayer partner. If you don't have a prayer partner, find a prayer partner. Find an accountability partner. Let me tell you about my buddy Brian Fought. Brian Fought also graduated from Crown College. He's a pastor in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Great guy, loves Jesus, and has been my accountability partner for about 24 years now. We ask these kind of questions to one another. We say, how are you doing with God? How are you doing with your family? How are your eyes? Are you viewing things you shouldn't be viewing? Did you lie to me about anything? That's an important question. We've been doing this for about 24 years now, and God has met us so many times where we have felt like we've been in those desert places. And just having that someone share life. This is what God's doing in my life, Kenny, Brian will say. Let me share it with you. And I could just see that that flood of God's light in my desert world, and maybe God wants to do that to you. There's another word there, and it's void. The earth was formless and void. And it's this concept of void that's pretty interesting. It could also be translated as desolation. By extension, it's anguish, misery, 
or loneliness. Is there anyone here from Indiana? Any Hoosiers here today? Dr. Wiggins, can you you go fishing in Indiana? Because there are some good Hoosiers. They need Jesus and they need to grow. <laughs> I, I, so I grew up in Indiana, came to Crown. Uh, when I came to Crown, I, just, I felt lonely. I've, I felt isolated. I only knew a few people here. And uh, it, it was a difficult time. It was a lonely place for me. Though I had a lot of friends that were about this deep initially, I went through a, seri- a time of loneliness, dark places. And sometimes, maybe you don't know this, but in Minnesota it can get cold and dark. <laughs> maybe you've heard that. Um, and it does. And if we're not careful, that can creep into our soul. Being separated. Away from friends, away from family. And it's in those places that uh, we can feel lonely. We can experience that void. That emptiness. Sometimes surrounded by a lot of people. Do you feel that way? Have you been in that place? Are you in that place? A void of desolation, of loneliness. Maybe God wants to do something in your life in that place. Maybe God uniquely is hovering over your waters and wants to meet you in that place of loneliness to say, you know what? Finally, we're in this place where your phone's not going to fix it. Your friends aren't going to fix it. Your neighbors, that safe place that you have created, it's not going to fix it. And I want to meet you in this place. I want to bring my light to you here. And if we would be so willing, God will meet us. Stay faithful in your devotion. Stay faithful in in engaging with other believers. Stay faithful in your worship. Don't don't try, like, what is the minimal effort I have to give? Somebody said it like this. Our walk with God is like going to the Grand Canyon. We We wouldn't go to the Grand Canyon and go to the, like, how close can I get before I fall off? How close do I get before I fall and die? We wouldn't do that. We stay away from the edge. Boy, this is beautiful from right here. (laughs) The safe place. What is that safe place that you need to be in? As you seek God, as you find God, as you meet him in your place of loneliness. And there's a third word here. It's the word darkness. It's the word darkness. It was used a lot of different ways the, the Jews formed an exegetical way of addressing the Old Testament by 400 uh, A.D. And it's called the Midrash. And the Midrash is based on a, a, a history of studying scriptures. And by word of mouth, it was given and eventually it was written down around 400 A.D. And, and then it has extended but they looked at this passage in Genesis and they said, wait a minute, there, there is something unique here. What does this word darkness mean? And as they began to flesh it out and study it and, and look at it a little more deeply, they started to compare it to a culture, specifically the Greek culture. The Greeks conquered Israel just before, uh, 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 I'm sorry, The Greeks conquered Israel. When they came in, it was Alexander the Great who uh, walked in. There was no war. No war. No one died. They just came in. And when they came in, and they culturally conquered Israel. And what began to happen was this. The Greeks would do things that were abhorrent to the Jews. 
things like this. They would have a lot of children, and they'd go, oh, man, I, we can't divide this inheritance up this much. So they'd take their infants out to the edge of their property in clay jars, and they would leave them there. And eventually the child would die or would be taken off by an animal. This was a common practice by the Greeks. It's infanticide. And the Jews looked at that and they said, God is the ordainer of life. How can we take that away? They did another thing. They were educators and they loved to educate. And the the, uh, boys would come into a school and they would be taught. But the highest form of love in that ancient Greek culture was pedophilia. It was the teacher to one of his students, a sexual relationship. And the Jews looked at that and they said, that is not God's design for us. That that is darkness. That's the absence of God. So this concept of darkness is a broad concept. And it's taking life that God has given us and twisting it. And it's twisted so deeply in so many ways. I would say in our culture, one of the ways darkness has been perpetuated is through pornography. So accessible, so easy. God has this beautiful plan for a husband and a wife, and it's twisted throughout pornography. And darkness reigns. And there are other things that we do that... uh, Taking what God has given that is good and twisting it and making it bad. Are you in that place? That place of darkness? That place where God, uh, he wants to meet you. He wants to show you the light. He wants to apply his gospel message to you right where it is that he can save you in that place of darkness. And let me just say it this way. Darkness or sin grows in darkness. Sin grows in darkness, and we need the light of Christ to shine in that place. I don't know where you are, but this is what I know about this group of people. If the Lord tarries, in other words, if the Lord doesn't return soon, this group of people is going to be responsible for thousands and thousands of conversions, people coming to Christ. Maybe tens of thousands, potentially hundreds of thousands of people who grow in Christ because of the influence of these people that are gathered here today. Being in this world of formless void and darkness will hinder that. This world needs Jesus now more than ever. And it's being turned over to you. Some of you, are there some ministry majors here? Ministry, pastoral, worship. I can't see you, so you're going to have to say something. All right. Anybody here plan on attending church after you graduate, even if you're not a energy major? Okay, good. That's great news. That's great news. You are going to be a part of some things that are going to break your heart. You're going to see some things that are going to twist your guts. Infants who die, marriages that break up, Cancer that invades and kills. You're going to see those things firsthand. And God is looking for some people of light. People who have, lived, who, have, who have decided to live in that place of light. Where Jesus invades every area and there is no corner of the soul that, that is darkened. 
And this world needs that. God's church is looking for that. And you have the ability to give it. So I just want to take some time right now and ask you to pause before the Lord. God, is there, is, is there a desert place in my soul? Am I living in a desert right now? Formless noise, formlessness? Am I vain in this place? Pause and consider that. Ask the question, am I in a place of void, of destruction, of misery, of loneliness? And ask the question, am I in a place of darkness? Am I in a place of darkness? I want to give you just a few moments quietly before the Lord right now to just consider that in your soul. I'll come back. As you've paused before the Lord, maybe he's spoken something to you. And this is a time to just let Jesus do his work. He loves you so much. He transformed my life. This Hoosier has been transformed by the incredible love of Jesus. And I know some of you share that a similar story. Let him do his work right here, right now. If there is a desert that you would be in a lush place, a land flowing with milk and honey, spiritually seeing fruit, going from the chaos to order. If you're in a place of void, that God would minister to you in a way that, that you don't sense that loneliness because you feel and know the presence of God. That as you walk in those dark as perhaps you've walked in those dark paths and God has shined his light in you, chasing it away. There's some practical steps you may need to take, and I want to encourage you to do that even now. Accountability, time in the word. Don't let this just be an educational process, but let the word of God soak into your soul. My friends, this is a special time. You get to be at Crown College. You, this, this is home for now, for such a time as this. And God has some beautiful plans for your lives and is going to take you, some of you, uh, across the sea, some of you across the street. And there are just going to be some beautiful times, but it's going to, it's going to need us to engage in Christ. And we see that in the foundational message of Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Let God do his work in you. There are going to be some tough times (laughs) where you get proverbially stung by a bee, but God will use it. Times when (laughs) when you crash your head on a pew, but God will use it. Let me pray for you now. Jesus, we love you, we need you, we thank you and praise you and ask that you would be exalted in this place. I pray for the faculty and staff and students here that, oh Lord, you you have a plan. And I think, Lord, of what you're doing in the lives of each person here and how you're orchestrating and ministering that 
in, in u- unique ways. All over the world, situations are being prepared to embrace these that are here today. And so, Lord, shine. Shine in the lives of those here. Chase away those desert places. Chase away that loneliness. Chase away that darkness by the light of Christ. And be exalted. We love you, Lord, and we thank you and praise you. And it's in Jesus Christ's precious and holy, holy, holy name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be hanging out just outside here. I'd love to visit with you and talk to you. Thank you for this time, and God bless you.